Welcome to Season 6 of the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. This season of the podcast is devoted to the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches His people about life in the Kingdom of God. So now we've seen how Jesus fulfilled the civil law and how he fulfilled the ceremonial law, and how he fulfilled the moral law. But let's not forget what, the rest of what Jesus said. That's not all he said. Look at Matthew 5.17 again. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Not come, come to abolish, but fulfill. Jesus didn't just come to, to fulfill the civil law uh, and the ceremonial law and the moral law. He also came to fulfill the prophets. And not just the prophets either. Luke twenty four forty four. Jesus said, everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So Jesus, how did he do that? How did he fulfill the prophets and the Psalms? Well, we'll start with the prophets. The prophets are divided into two groups. Uh, you have what we think of, when we think of the word prophets, we usually think of the, all those books that come after the Song of Songs. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to the end, all through all those prophets. That's one group. But there's another group of prophets that the Jews referred to as the former prophets. Um, and we usually call those the historical books. They're just, they're the books that tell us all the history of stuff. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Those books that come before Psalms. Those are all written by prophets too. A prophet is just simply somebody who just speaks the word of God infallibly, perfectly. I'm not a prophet. I speak the word of God, but I'm not a prophet because I'm not infallible. So I'm just a preacher. Uh, I, uh, but prophets are people who speak God's word infallibly, whether they're talking about the past or the future or the present. The writers of Scripture were all prophets. The former prophets recorded the history of Israel from the beginning all the way up to 400 years before Jesus' time. And they they wrote that history, but they didn't write it as historians. They did it with a very specific agenda to show God in action among His people, to teach us what God is like. That's what was their agenda in the history. And when they weren't writing history, they were preaching to the people. They took God's law and applied it to their people's lives, indicting them for their sin, calling them to repentance, teaching them how to live in God's way, teaching them about what God is like, showing them God's promises about the future and all that. So how did Jesus fulfill the prophets? Well, the answer to that question varies according to the purpose and message of each prophet. The, 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 the historical material, uh, all the history about entry into the promised land, that first historical book of Joshua, that had the purpose of showing God as the provider of paradise for his people. And Jesus fulfilled the book of Joshua by leading us into the real paradise, the real promised land, heaven. Book of Judges is the account of the time when Israel had no king and every man did what was right in his own eyes and it was the absolute sickening, disgusting, horrific disaster in Israel's history. And then Samuel and Kings and Chronicles is the story of God fixing that disaster by providing a king who was a man after God's own heart and who was the prototype of the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled that portion of their history by being that Messiah who is a perfect king. 
Ezra and Nehemiah are the story of the Jews returning from exile and being restored as a sampling of what it would be someday, what it would be like someday when God fulfills all the promises of restoration that He's made. And Jesus fulfilled that portion of history by being the spiritual restoration for His people and by being the one through whom all of the promises of God are yes and amen. Absolutely rock-solid certain. Ruth and Esther are the stories of God preserving the Messianic line. Jesus fulfilled that by being the Messiah. (laughs) Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Micah, Zephaniah warned of coming judgment on sin and they called the people to repentance and then they gave comfort and God's promises uh, about restoration. And both that judgment and the restoration were just miniature pictures of the final judgment and final restoration at the end of the age that would be brought about by the Messiah. They announced that these things would be ultimately realized by the Messiah. And Jesus fulfilled those prophets by being that Messiah and also by bearing the ultimate judgment in our place and being the one through whom God fulfilled His promises, would fulfill His promises of restoration. Daniel announced the path that the world history would take for the next 500 years until the Messiah arrived. Until the Messianic kingdom was, came into being. And Jesus fulfilled that by establishing his kingdom. Several of the prophets also announced judgment on the wicked nations surrounding Israel. Uh, for example, Obadiah, and Jonah, and Nahum. And Jesus fulfilled those prophets by being the one who will sit on the throne and judge the nations. Habakkuk wrestled with the problem of God's justice and mercy. Jesus fulfilled that by being the ultimate solution to the problem of how God's justice and mercy fit together. And that leaves us with the last three prophets in the Old Testament. Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those are the ones that came after the exile. And Haggai and Zechariah called the people to rebuild the temple Jesus fulfilled that by being the temple, uh, building the temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, the church. And then Malachi. Malachi rebuked the people for their unfaithfulness and called them to repentance and then ended the Old Testament by saying this. Judgment day is coming and see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great dreadful day of the Lord comes. And Jesus fulfilled that by being that Elijah and also by being the one who would usher in and preside over the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That is how Jesus fulfilled the prophets. And that leads us to the Psalms and what's known as the wisdom literature, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. The wisdom books show us God's way and how good and profitable God's way in life is. And Jesus filled the wisdom books by walking perfectly in in God's way perfectly and by being a perfect example of how to live a life and how to make decisions in this life. The Psalms teach us how to pray and how to relate to God emotionally. More than any other book, they show us the character and nature and attributes and excellencies of God and teach us how to delight in those attributes. And Jesus fulfilled that by being the embodiment of all of those attributes in human flesh, a perfect representation of God and yet accessible and near to us. And he also fulfilled the Psalms by being the one who makes all those interactions and fellowship with God possible. It's only through the work of Christ that we can run to God as our refuge. 
or seek God as our comfort, or follow God as our shepherd, or bow before God as our king, or rejoice in the Lord as our our delight, or any of the other relational experiences that the Psalms describe with God. It's only through Christ. All of it is in Christ. All of it. I mean, can you see how Christ is our everything? He's our everything. He's not just a deity that we pray to when we're getting into trouble. He's not just a God we cry out to when we need, a, we need some help. He's our everything. From the moment we wake up in the morning until we drift off to sleep at night and all through the night we depend on His grace for everything. He's everything. Like I said in the prayer at the beginning, the life of the Christian and the life of the non-Christian are not just different on Sundays. They're not just different when a moral choice comes along. They're different every second because every second of the day Jesus is doing things for you that He doesn't do for non-Christians. So many things. Genesis, he's our creator. Exodus, he's our savior from bondage to sin and our Passover lamb. He is our temple and our holy of holies through whom we can approach God. He's our promise of paradise and the light and the cloud that leads us through the wilderness of this life. He teaches us God's way he, he is our leader who gives us victory over the world. He's our deliverer who rescues us from the disasters created by our sin, like in Judges. He is our Messiah. He is our King. He is our great high priest. He's our security. He's our wall and our high tower. He is our wisdom who guides us in our all the decisions. He is our shepherd and our fellowship with God. He is our husband and our beloved. He is our judge. He's our hope. He's our restorer and he's our redeemer. Jesus Christ is the solution to every problem you have. He's the source of your every joy. He is the author of all your strength and all of your intelligence. He is the manufacturer of all of your goodness and righteousness. He gave you everything you have. He is the redeemer of your past and He's all there is to your future. He's your life He's your very food and drink. He's the fountain of living water. He's the bread of life. He's the giver. Uh, he's, God, he's God's river of delight. And He is the eternal pleasure at God's right hand. All that is true if you know Him. If you don't know Him, He is one thing to you. Your judge. And the only part of Him you will ever see is the back of His hand. Jesus Christ is better than any treasure in this world, any pleasure in this world. He is the pearl of great price that is worth selling everything you have in order to obtain. He is more to be desired than much fine gold. He is the redeemer of those who believe and the punisher of those who do not. And if you do not know Him, He's calling you to come to Him right now. Right now. And there's absolutely no reason to wait any longer. Let's pray. Let's just bow our heads and pray silently for a moment. And I'm going to give you a chance to um, contemplate these things. Because if there is something in your life more important than Jesus Christ, something needs to be done about that right now. Your heart needs to be radically transformed and you need to cry out to, to God to change it. There's no reason to wait second longer. 
Thank you for listening. We pray that in this series, your life will be transformed by the soaring ethics, deep insights, and glorious promises of the Sermon on the Mount. We are crowdfunded ministry, so if you would like this podcast to continue, please consider supporting us with a tax-deductible gift. Just go to treasuringgod.com and click on Give. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.